Hey legends, I'm Eliza Lee and you're listening to The Making of an Incredible MD, the podcast for aspiring medical professionals. Each week, we'll bring in a current MD student and a practicing physician to talk about an important topic in the medical field. From the effects of climate change to the influence of social media on our health, we'll uncover a maze of different perspectives and end each episode with an ethical dilemma for us all to consider. Stay tuned as we literally hear the making of these incredible MDs unfold right before our ears. Today, I can't wait to introduce you to one of the most eloquent 21-year-olds I know and good friend, Manoj, who is a fourth-year med school student at Monash University in Melbourne and currently runs KIS Academics, an online edtech platform that democratizes educational resources for high school students. As you're about to hear in this episode, Manoj is an incredibly not-the-run-of-the-mill med student, always looking for problems to solve and actually executing on those ideas, which is so rare and refreshing to hear. So I thought it was a perfect time to sit down with Manoj and talk about doctors going digital. Such a budget. Yeah, no, I, was, I, I, I wasn't sure if you were recording already. I just wanted to hint that maybe you should start. I'd hate to do the entire conversation and you to be like, no, no, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% the thing I would do though. Thank goodness Manoj reminded me to press record because I probably would have forgotten. So here is the recording. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Minaj, for coming on board and doing our first episode about Doctors Going Digital, a matter of how, not when. Hi. Um, thank you, Eliza. Hey, so I'm an MD student currently in my fourth year, jumping between a few placements, and I definitely have dabbled a little bit on the, I guess, side hustle kind of area, as Eliza is very aware. Over the last few years, I've been involved in a couple different kind of startups or business ventures. And right now during COVID, I've been focused more so on just one or two, while also just trying to find things to do during isolation. Definitely going to question you more about those side um, in a sec. But I guess to start off with, talking about sort of you being um, on clinical placements and seeing how everything's evolving now. Obviously, with the incredible adoption of telehealth during this pandemic being pushed forward, you know, 10 times the speed that it really was going to take. Firstly, just to give everyone a bit of context who isn't in a clinical setting like you are, um, in general, what are some of the functions of a doctor that are currently being digitalized? Um, and what functions of doctor do you think will be digitalized over sort of the next, say, three to five years? Okay. Over the last couple of years, there's been a shift in Victoria and I guess the rest of Australia towards the EMR. So that was happening pre-COVID anyway. So a lot of hospitals were trying to get rid of their um, paper patient notes and move to a digital version. So that adoption has been happening very, very slowly and very, very gradually over the last few years, which is kind of surprising because you'd think you know, since like the 2000s, maybe hospitals would have had digital patient notes, but it's still a very recent kind of adoption. So they're moving their systems online completely now to kind of cloud-based software. But with COVID happening, a few other kind of, I guess, ideas or technological developments in medicine have been rushed a bit, with the biggest one definitely being telehealth. That is probably the main kind of new implementation that has been seen over the COVID period, just because in order to reduce the spread and community transmission, a lot of doctors, consultants, clinicians have moved to more so a online, either over Zoom or I guess over the phone as well kind of consult. So I've 
through my placement, I've been lucky enough to see both kind of prior to COVID, I was in a GP placement. So I got to see a lot of that face-to-face and I got to do some face-to-face consults myself. And then more recently with everything moving online, I've also seen how doctors have been kind of shifting onto telehealth and doing a lot of phone appointments. So it's quite a big contrast, but it's definitely been really interesting to see. But I'd say that out of COVID, that's been by far the biggest kind of change or um, the biggest theme through this whole pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think are sort of the limits of digitalizing medicine? Like what can't be digitalized? Yeah, so obviously there are quite a few aspects of medicine that can be digitalized, mostly in the consultation kind of aspect, the one-on-one kind of patient interviews, histories, etc. that kind of thing. I think the statistic based on a few studies is that 80 to 90% of the information a doctor needs to make a diagnosis can be derived from a history. So history is just what we call talking to a patient and interviewing them. For the majority of cases, a telehealth appointment is actually enough. But for, um, I guess, that other kind of subgroup of cases, that other 10 to 20%, it's really important for things like an examination to be conducted. So a lot of people are trying to figure out how in this kind of post-COVID world, when everything's moved online, how examinations and things can be kind of conducted in the same way. And then another big concern is kind of that doctor-patient, I guess, that connection and rapport that you build, um, which definitely has, definitely decreases when you're talking over the phone, unfortunately. So that kind of thing um, is something that needs to once again be considered at some point, like it's much harder to do that in a digital world, in a digital landscape. On from that, there's obviously a bunch of things that just simply can't be done online. Things like surgeries, etc. You do need to be in a hospital. But once again, there are a bunch of digital opportunities in these areas that are opening up, like um, robotic surgery and surgeons from like halfway across the world being able to operate in remote countries with you know robots and automated procedures and stuff like that. So there are definitely barriers being broken, but there are some that are much harder to break than others. And also, thank you. I really appreciate you giving context to the jargon because I'm like noob central here. So that's <laughs> No, all good. If I say a word that doesn't make sense, just yell at me and I'll clarify. Cool. Perfect. You're the best. Um, so I guess what are some of the shortfalls and cautions that we need to be considerate of now when designing for a digitalized healthcare system that you think most people haven't been able to see? I think probably the first one that comes to mind is the privacy and the confidentiality aspect. So moving everything digital to a certain degree is a little bit safer than having paper notes that can be lost or forgotten. But once again, when you've digitalized something, it's much more accessible in certain ways as well. So phone calls, consultation calls, notes, etc. that stuff all has to be kept very, very secure. Um, communication between like doctors, patients, doctors, 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 nurses, medical staff in general has to be once again kept um, very safe because privacy is very, very important in medicine and that patient-doctor confidentiality is definitely a big consideration. So that's probably the first thing that comes into my mind. The second would probably be that, I guess, that human interaction. For the most part these days, medicine is very human-centric, especially like our course, we're taught to 
focus on that kind of relational aspect of medicine and taught to build rapport with patients. And that's all extremely important. Um, I think that one day, maybe 50, 100 years in the future, maybe that won't be necessary anymore and that won't be considered as important. But the way things are right now in a three to five year kind of time frame, I feel like that communication aspect is definitely very important and can definitely be kind of neglected by medical staff when you don't have that patient in front of you, when you're just talking to them over the phone or something. And I love that you touch on the privacy point because I don't know if you want to segue into sort of what you've experienced with running Kodok and some of the insights you've there. Um, or should we leave that? Oh, no, I can, I'm more than happy to. Uh, so, yeah, Kodok was kind of an initiative I worked on with the Monash Generator last year. It was essentially trying to figure out a more secure and private way for clinicians to communicate because medicine is a very collaborative environment. You need to constantly be talking to people. And um, a lot of that conversation, for better or for worse, had been standard regular text messaging or WhatsApp, which are probably the most common forms right now. So that was something that I was working on for quite a while. But then COVID did throw a pretty big spanner into things because it is a very collaborative kind of process, talking to hospitals and working out what their kind of views on the matter are, um, finding out what their KPIs and goals are. But as soon as COVID hit, a lot of hospitals... Um, very understandably had to just turn down all meetings and focus on their response. And then although cases started to drop for a good five minutes there, um, things have skyrocketed once again. So hospitals are very much focused on their own internal processes to prevent disease transmission. And hopefully sometime after the pandemic, I'll be able to approach them in a more relaxed kind of setting. But right now we've kind of put that on hold for a little bit. And I've just been thinking about and working through some of like the business models that might work as well as like um, distribution. But that was essentially the problem that we wanted to try and solve to a certain degree like the speed of digitization that's happened during COVID is a good thing because now hospitals who once were very 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 slow to adopt new technologies will hopefully be a bit more open to innovation and technological development within the healthcare setting which definitely wasn't something that present beforehand um, so that's definitely one of the positives However, aside from that, a lot of the kind of use cases for communication or collaboration platform haven't changed too much. Like in a hospital setting, clinicians' jobs are very similar to how they were before the pandemic. They're still doing ward rounds, consulting patients, talking to one another, running like case discussions and meetings. That hasn't changed too much. It's mostly been on the kind of patient-doctor interaction side that we've seen the biggest change. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to end this episode with a bit of an ethical dilemma for you and just to talk through what your, your perspectives are. So the question is, should what you say or share online as a budding medical professional impact your professional career? So this sort of encompasses the scope of everything that's within the medical forums and anything that's also now outside of those forums. Yeah, and that's definitely something that we talk about during like ethics classes and whatnot as well. So I'm assuming you're focusing more on like social media and stuff, yeah? Yeah, let's, let's take that. Yeah, it's a very hard decision to make. I think it's normal for a lot of interview processes for job applicants in any field um, to have their social media very briefly kind of um, swiped through and then at the same time um, there's a lot more scrutiny of how I guess people in power have used social media in the past as we've seen with a lot more um, for lack of a better term you know cancel culture etc so I think that 
whole aspect of finding out about someone from social media has definitely kind of started to pervade the um, professional industry and definitely medicine as well. I think that in terms of whether it should impact like job prospects and whatnot, um, I can't say that I've had too much of a personal kind of experience or a personal, or heard any stories in the matter. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was used for recruiting purposes, but I think it's mostly been cases where maybe um, something more explicit like cyberbullying has occurred and that's impacted someone. But I haven't really seen any instances where like a Facebook post or a meme or something a bit edgy has really impacted someone's career. Um, and I think that within the medical field, it's a very kind of community-based profession. Like everyone knows everyone. And I think that if there was no kind of legal or financial ramifications for, I guess, doing something appropriate, inappropriate online, there would definitely be some social ramifications because once again, as I said, everyone in medicine knows everyone in medicine. And if someone in medical school has a certain reputation, then that could be followed up like in, um, you know, once you get into the industry. So it's very hard to have a hard and fast rule. And it's very hard to kind of judge social media activity because as we know, it's very subjective. So it's a super gray area because nothing can be set in stone from at least a legal perspective, nothing's objective. So unfortunately, I don't think I can give you a good answer, but I think that currently the way things look, it is that, yeah, the status quo will kind of decide. If you say something or do something that is inappropriate, there will definitely be ramifications from a social perspective. And if you're doing something like really seriously bad from a medical perspective, then there can potentially be like policies that will, um, there are definitely policies that will, um, I guess, be punitive and like punish you for wrong things that you do. The most obvious being like sharing photos of patients without their consent and stuff like that. That's a very big no in the medical field for students, doctors, nurses, whoever. So if there is something that's negatively impacting a patient, I think that that will definitely be like the hammer will go down in those instances. But outside of that, it's a bit more of a gray area. Awesome. Well, thanks for drawing the line there. And that is the end of episode one. Hope you guys enjoyed episode one of this podcast and look forward to hearing another perspective in episode two. If you haven't found us through our Facebook or YouTube channels, make sure you join our community of aspiring med students on our Hallow to Health Australia Facebook page, where we have a ton of other things going to broaden your perspective and get you med school ready if that's your jam. I'll leave all the links in the show notes below, but until then, see you in the next episode.